The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready for operational excellence? Welcome to the Visual Workplace, Work That Makes Sense, where your host and visual workplace expert, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, shares powerful visual principles and practices to optimize your operations and make them safer, faster, better, and far less costly. The Visual Workplace. You can't get to excellence without it. Now, here's Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. Hi. Hello, everybody. Hi, this is Gwendolyn Galsworth, and I welcome you to the Visual Workplace where we discuss aspects of visuality at work every single week. So, um, as you know, you've been visiting us quite uh, many weeks, I'm sure. We talk about building the intelligence of our production system into the living landscape of work. And the point that I like to make in conjunction with this is that intelligence is our intelligence. To the extent that we understand our specifications and our procedures and our reliable methods, to the extent that we understand the what and the how, we embed that. We embed it into the living landscape of work through visual devices. Sometimes those devices are borders, sometimes they're and-on lights, sometimes they're quality systems that are color-coordinated, sometimes they are exquisite labeling uh, approaches, addresses that have depth and robustness that really allow us to make value-add decisions right on the spot about whether or not we need what's at that address, what it's for, how to reorder it. Sometimes they're Kanban systems. Sometimes they are simple and elegant pull systems that are around our material or pulling material onto machines, pulling material off of machines in a way that is very precise. Visuality will capture the operational elements in discrete devices. That is why I call it a language, and that is why I call the visual devices our vocabulary, our words. And when we put them together, we have a coherent, if you will, document or paragraph or book or chapters in a book. And sometimes we have poetry. Sometimes the visual devices are so exquisite, so evocative, so precise so just right that we simply say, ah, ah, it works. Se muove, said Galileo. Se muove, it moves, it moves, it works. And yet it works, and yet it moves. Fantastic. So visuality is both a science. It is the science of seeing. It is the science of brain cognition, brain function. It is the science of perception. We use color in that way. 
As we talked about last week, we embedded patterns through our borders so that the mind would recognize the pattern and understand it without thinking. Much as we recognize the pattern on an analog clock, on the little alarm clock, whose hands show us the time instantly before our brain can really translate it into thought as compared to digital clocks, which we have to read. The analog we recognize with the digital we read. Reading is slower than recognizing. Reading uses the right side of our brain, recognition the left. It's faster, doesn't need interpretation, doesn't need thought, it's simply, we simply know and we act. And that's what we're looking for in a visual workplace. We're looking for a way to know the workplace in its intimate details and to act. And to do this seamlessly, to respond seamlessly, just as we do when we're driving in our car through the densely populated landscape of the roads and the highways, densely populated with visual information sharing so that we simply drive. And we go about our task, getting to where we're going, the right place, at the right time and safely when we're in the car. And the road is our silent but extremely capable partner in this. If you remove the visuality from the roadways and you attempt to get where you intend to go safely and on time, you will be faced with what many operators and many, many employees are faced on every level. From CEO to value-add level, we struggle. We struggle. Because the landscape, which is the dominant environment in which we are, is mute. We have not given it a voice, and so it can't speak. This is also what's so beautiful about this partnership. The workplace won't speak unless we give it a voice. And we give it a voice through visual devices, and that's what this show is about. We've been going through the very pedestrian, monochromatic world of the visual wear. We began with seven or eight shows on smart placement to just determine, this was beginning in January, where things go before we nail them with borders I don't say nail them down with lines because lines don't function. They're simply a geometric expression. But borders function. Borders function. They bound and they also embed meaning into the physical landscape of work, these borders, which you might call lines. The visual wear is made up of three components, borders, addresses, and if possible, ID labels. ID labels is what you put on the thing itself, the thing that resides in the bordered and addressed location. But if it's a consumable, we don't put an ID label, a dog tag on it, because we're going to consume it. So and that's why we say, if possible, an ID label. It's a very simple pro- process. I beg your pardon. It's a very simple concept, but we do it iteratively. And we do it thoroughly. And I'm going to begin to talk to you about this particular component of our discussion about borders so that you understand. When we say the visual wear means to 
implement a border, address, and if possible, an ID label, we don't end the sentence there. There's another five words. For everything that casts a shadow. We implement a border address and if possible an ID label for everything that casts a shadow. That automatically gives us a a way to know when we're complete, when we have a robust implementation, and it also forces us to ask and answer the question, does this thing belong here? Because if we have to give it a bordered location, we have to go through the cognitive process, the decision-making of, I'm going to border this, but wait a minute, it doesn't even belong here, so why should I give it a, a home in my department, at my nurse's station, in my assembly cell, by my machine, why should I give it a home? So it forces the question that keeps us continuously decluttered, but also engaged intelligently in how we're using the very important resource called space or the work environment itself, the physical workplace. This criteria that's built into the formula helps us know when we've started, when we're halfway done, when we're 80% done, when we're completely done. So it is a criteria-based requirement. And somewhere along the way, very soon, I will talk to you, and this will be talked to you again, but in case you weren't listening a year ago, it'll be for the first time for you, about how we manage the implementation and how we keep going. And it really is a feedback loop. We build in a feedback loop into the living landscape of work when we put down the visual wear based on that criterion which says, for everything that casts a shadow. And I will tell you, when you achieve that, if you are thinking of this as traffic lights, red, yellow, and green, red for let's get started, yellow for halfway there, green for we're there and it's sustainable, that criteria for everything that casts a shadow just gets you to yellow. It's ambitious and it is also achievable. And it allows operators Let's just talk about operators in assembly, manufacturing, fabrication. But the same thing with uh, with operators or value-add associates in the hospital setting or in the office setting. When we use that criteria, we begin to squeeze the environment and to redesign it to our purposes. Because we have a way of saying yes, no. Does it belong? I'm going to give it a border. Doesn't belong? I'm not going to bother. But I'm... Uh, but it forces the question. This is very, very powerful. In the description of this show today, we made a promise that we would talk to you about how you can build in accountability and a kind of plan, do, check, act loop in the floor and on work surfaces. This is part of it. We also said that until you understand the logic and the power of borders, borders will be treated merely as so many lines. Very useful for neatness and order, but not much more. And believe me, because we're adults here, we know how boring neatness and order can be. Your kids are bored with it. Why do you think they object? (laughs) When you say, clean up your room. Hmm? Because it's boring. 
There is no excitement in it. You can make it exciting a little bit. You can incentivize it. You know, you can bribe people's way or our, our way into neatness and order. But unless you're doing some second layer of engagement, for example, when you're cleaning, you're looking for dirt prevention. Unless you find some second level of um, involvement, engagement, it becomes extremely routine. And then when folks audit it, it becomes insulting because you're auditing something that is so ordinary and uh, boring as to defy humanity. You know, it's really hard. It's hard to keep that up. Not that it isn't important to be neat and clean, but we can elevate it by making it a much more powerful con- um, um, layer of contribution to our work performance and to our workplace. What a surprise to discover that borders, especially when combined with the second element, robust addresses, can measurably increase productivity on the departmental level, even while helping to build a work culture of continuous improvement. You're going to build that work culture if there is none, but if you already have a pretty good work culture of continuous improvement, borders will strengthen it. So during the course of the show, I'm going to present the reasons that justify borders, and I've already given you several, but I'll kind of make a list so you can understand them clearly, that justify borders on a functional as well as a cultural basis, how borders help to make the workplace transparent, how they build an accountability, how they build an excitement and engagement. We'll go through a number of examples. That's what today's show is about. Am I selling you something? Perhaps if you need, if you haven't already bought it. But this is not, borders are not snake oil. They are highly functional. They are an indispensable part of your performance um, possibilities. And when the visual wear is robustly in place, robustly, as I'm describing it, we have always seen a minimum of 15% increase in throughput. A 15% increase in throughput, we often see 30%. Because borders are one of the ways that enables us to see motion moving without working. So this is a whole system of principles and practice, and borders are fundamental to it. Borders are the first step of the visual wear. We begin with borders. And we've done all that work, those six or seven programs on smart placement to make sure things are in the right place. Now we're going to nail the suckers, you know, and they are going to perform for us and they will be happy. And you will be happy doing that. <laughs> so we're going into a break now and I'm going to tell you more of this exciting saga, this adventure, as soon as we get back. See you in a minute. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. 
Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. If you currently or aspire to serve on a board or work in a leadership capacity for or with a public or nonprofit organization, where can you turn to get the best advice and practices? How about Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl G. and Jenny Frumer? Our program discusses challenges facing both public and nonprofit leaders. Don't miss these practical solutions and tips to enhance your leadership style and effectiveness. Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl G. and Jenny Frumer airs live Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Listening to The Visual Workplace, Work That Makes Sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1 866 472 5790. That's toll free 1 866 472 5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Hello, hello, welcome back. This is Gwendolyn. Welcome back to the second part of our show. And we are focusing on borders. It's called More Borders, The Power of Borders, The 12 Reasons for Borders. And I imagine as I'm looking across the shows as we were planning with uh, our wonderful executive producer, Sandra Rogers, that there will probably be two more shows just on the borders and we'll do two or three shows on addresses. Is it that important? You bet your bottom dollar it is. These are very, very important elements. Five S is there in the West, not as a neat and clean, set things in order, keep things in order type uh, process. In the West, where we do not have a kind of uh, built-in cultural bias towards order and towards using the space um, by design, as they do in Japan, we shift visual, the visuality in 5S to a much higher level. We shift it to become literally the visual wear, but not just through lines and labels, but through robust borders, borders that function, and robust addresses. So that's what we're about. We're about this little journey, this saga, this adventure. So we begin with borders after we do our smart placement, and they start from the floor up. This is, and I'm going to use as a setting an assembly or manufacturing setting, but these apply to the T, certainly in hospital settings, and very closely 
also in office settings. Okay, the principles are there. Their expressions may not be as, um, their application may not be as complete, but the devices are equally robust. Okay, so you may not be able to get your boss or get yourself to agree to borders on your beautiful new very expensive carpets in your marketing area. But you can do many, many, you can implement many, many components of extreme visuality that are part and part of the process, even though your borders may not be as complete as you would wish or I would wish. So I'm going to speak to you in a setting uh, of fabrication, manufacturing, in order to be able to make these points without apology, but do not discount the other settings. It is only because... There are a few examples of robust applications that you might have the impression it doesn't apply there. We're talking about human ingenuity and we are talking about applying principles. Okay? Not laying down labels of lines, but applying principles of functionality. So we begin with the floor for everything that casts a shadow and then we move up. The floor is our foundation. Floor borders are implemented for every item that has a footprint that casts a shadow on the floor. And this applies to items that are movable, the buckets, the chairs, the whip carts, the pallets, but also items that are not movable. The large CNC machine. I'm going to describe to you a CNC machine that I've come to, that I came to know and love back in the 1990s. Sheila was the operator. Sheila Bowersmith, brilliant woman, fabulous, skilled master operator of CNC and a really masterful visual thinker. And she was following the formula. She wanted to see what would happen if I followed this formula. What would it get me that I don't have right now? Would I get something more? Well, let me try that out. Her attitude was excellent. She wanted to see what all the hubbub was about. And so she put a border around her CNC machine, which was not going anywhere. And one of the things that she discovered is when she was using the formula for everything that casts a shadow in reference to the CNC machine, there was a small conveyor that was connecting one side with the other. A very small, thin conveyor. Maybe it was um, six or seven inches wide. And she followed the formula of for everything that casts a shadow. And the border for the machine went beyond the conveyor. And when she laid down, it was a yellow line, yellow border. When she laid it down, suddenly she saw what had escaped her attention before, that there was space between the border and the machine that was unused. And that space was where the conveyor overhung, came out from the CNC machine. And the border captured that space. And she saw in a very simple but powerful way, oh, my goodness, I didn't even notice that space was available. And I didn't even notice that I have a decision to make. Shall I make it unavailable? Shall I put some hatch marks across it to make sure it isn't used? Or do I want to use it for a bucket or a part or some tools or whatever? She didn't see the opportunity of the space before because there was no border giving it any shape. It's one of the major benefits of borders. We get to see what is and isn't used, what is and is not available, where before it just looked like floor. So we start on the floor. 
We commit to borders as a regular and required part of our visual conversion. They become like words in the book, an operational vocabulary. And the more specific the, the application, the more specific borders become a language for us, a visual performance language. Let me give you a couple of examples. Imagine the simple placement of two, two cra- trash cans on red squares, painted red, and imagine them underneath, underneath a bench. Hmm? And there is another yellow border that surrounds the bench. So there's an external border that surrounds the bench, and by the way, it will eventually have a great address. And inside the border, there are two other borders for the trash cans. And these create a kind of geometry that define the pattern of work. Let me describe another. This is a double border function, which we'll be talking about quite a bit in a future show very soon. Where the operators of a cable feeding line, where they're making cables in the oil industry, have placed the reels that will feed the cable into the machine, and there are two of them. There's one that's being fed, and there's a second one that is the backup. And the borders not only place the reel, but also place the rack, the small rack that holds up the reels. Hmm? So that the placement is so exquisite When one reel empties, the second reel does not have to be moved in order to be fed into the machine. And we have not just one, not just two, but three borders nested within each other in order to get that alignment and to get that functionality. Those are just two examples. Just as borders help us understand work by capturing its pattern on the floor, Borders are equally useful on work surfaces, on the top, underneath, and inside. On work surfaces, borders help a lot with little things. It can be as simple as bordering the location of workplace items, the tools, the gauges, the electron microscope, as simple as that. You can keep your borders in really good shape by covering them with plexiglass. We'll be talk because they're usually done in uh, plastic tape. And we will be talking about formulas for laying down borders. They're simple formulas, but formulas for laying down paint and laying down also floor, floor tape or floor, um, floor rubber. Okay? Because once you go through the trouble of putting borders in, the thinking and the application, you want to make sure they last. And our formula is, Make sure they last for 12 months and make sure you know how to change them overnight. But let's go on and talk about where borders go. Borders go on benches, but they also go inside of benches. Not just the floor and the work surfaces, but behind those doors, behind and in the drawers, inside the cabinets, borders on the inside. Very, very powerful. And you use the same principles of smart placement, point of use, store things not air, design to task, on the inside of things, cabinets, 
Mortars help a lot with a little with little things. Okay. You can do the same thing in offices. You can do the same thing in engineering offices using those borders. Look for what casts a shadow. Understand their function. And we will spend probably an entire show on how do you come up with your border-colored code system or how do you vet, which I advise you to do, the current system. I think I'll do a show on that. So I do want to say that borders can trigger some very strong logical and illogical opinions. Logical in favor, of course, (laughs) illogical against. And you know what? You often hear the following. Isn't it better not to lay down floor borders in the first place if we're just going to change our minds about where they go? If we skip borders, we won't ever have to change them. And there are lots of other things that people say about borders, beginning with, why do we need them? I know where... I know where my pencil is, I know where my phone is, and that CNC machine is not going anywhere. So I'm discussing with you the rationale, the logic, the principles that I hope will give you a way to consider some opposite ideas. We're going to pick this up. I call it kind of border worries, and then we'll slide right into reasons for borders and the logic of borders right after we have a nice little break. Take a glass of water, stretch your bones, That's what I'm going to do, and I'll be back in a minute, and I hope you will too. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. Bob Pritchard has over 30 years of experience as a straight-talking business consultant and author working with some of the top Fortune 500 companies. Now he's come to the Voice America Business Channel to help you and your business. Tune in to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show for information about starting and successfully running a profitable business. From the movers and shakers to great marketing screw-ups, you can't afford to miss a single edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's toll free, 1-866-472-5790. 
or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Hi there. Hi, this is Gwendolyn. You have and I have entered the third segment of our show, and we are talking about borders. This is our second in a series on borders, and we're getting down to the nitty-gritty. We're kind of dealing with the border worries, people laughing at borders and snorting at borders and refusing to put borders in place. Now, this isn't a show about implementation. We really have to deal with that separately. This is a show about the what today anyway. This particular episode, our our show today, is about what. What are borders? Why are they important? What kind of different borders are there? The how is your implementation practices. And I'll probably sprinkle those throughout, but I'm not doing like a show on them right now. But I will say to you, when you start putting down borders, not everyone is going to be enthusiastic about it. And the basic model or the rule is, the construct is, when you start your visual conversion, you can expect some people to be early adopters, we call them rowers, and be very enthusiastic and do the do, and you will. You can expect others to hang back and watch and wait, and you can be expect another group to snicker and make rude noises and do everything they can short of sabotage and being very, very naughty, try to make it stop, wield their power in that way. This is just human psychology, and what you do is you focus on those folks who want to follow the methodology, who are enthusiastic about getting more visual. I will also say that when you implement, when you start the visual journey, you will do a great deal to stimulate people's visual thinking and you will, along one track, follow a methodology that requires that certain things get into place in a certain order, which will be borders, addresses, ID labels, if possible. But there will be another track that runs in parallel, which will be simply that people will be ignited to visual thinking and come up with devices that are on very sophisticated levels, far, far beyond what you're teaching. Because I've said, as I've said before in shows, we are by nature visual beings. We live in a visual world because we're visual beings. We understand the language of our senses. Dominant sense in this civilization at this time is visual. And we are happy and comfortable and more highly functioning when the workplace is a visual workplace and people will do this because they feel the need. They just, just haven't been able to name it. And through following the practices and the methodology of visuality, visual beings will become visual thinkers. People in the workplace, employees, will develop a new competency about how to get the workplace to speak through visual devices. The methodology part of that, the sort of 5S on steroids part, is laying down these components of, if you will, 5S, but what I call the visual wear. But it will trigger a great deal of richness and many devices in many different ways. Because remember, we're using motion as our lever. Moving without working, we're seeking to remove the struggle. It's just for operators, most of the struggle happens around the where question. 
But there are five other questions that are of importance. The what, the when, the who, the how, and the how many. The how many and the how. We make those visual as well. And it comes quite automatically. And certainly when we train in our methodology, we make sure that people are aware of it. But where we plod, 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 is to get borders down, to get addresses in place, ID labels, to make the visual wear very, very strong. So when you introduce borders, you will get people who are not enthusiastic, are really not enthusiastic, or who are enthusiastic. It is a faulty perspective to say, well, why lay down borders when we're just going to have to change them anyway? Why don't we just skip it and then we never have to change them? And this faulty perspective is based on the faulty belief that borders take so much time to apply and remove, they are not worth putting down in the first place. This is exactly the same as saying, we're not going to change over this machine because it isn't worth it. That's the whole concept, the faulty concept of economic order quantity. We have to make this much out of every changeover in order to justify the expense of the changeover. Well, Shigeo Shingo, who's my sen- who was my sensei in the 1980s, broke that, busted that myth. And he came up with a single minute exchange of dye. And his challenge, by the way, at that time was a three day changeover, which he got down to nine minutes. It took him four years, but that was the first time it was done. And he created the paradigm of thinking. He created the methodology of quick changeover. And it no longer gets in our way. Changeovers, nine minutes, that used to take three days. Hmm, big change. Big bust of the paradigm. And it's the same way with borders. So you have to come up with a way to lay them down fast so they last, so you don't have to spend all your time in maintenance, and to pick them up overnight. I will go over various components of that. I'll try to do it in the next show so that you know what you have to choose from. But for right now, I want to kind of talk about this idea that it's not worth it. Borders and the time needed to implement them are well worth it because of their positive and significant impact on safety, quality, productivity, on-time delivery. And often this is on a micro level, it begins on a micro level, and eventually begins to spread, ripple out through the entire macro environment. Borders do not take any longer to implement than any other quality, productivity, or cost-saving tools. That's number two. Number one was the one I just said. Number two is this. They do not take any longer. Number three, changing your borders can become routine and can become a fluid part of your improvement process when you have a procedure for pulling them up overnight and laying them down to last a year. And once you do that, you know what happens? As you get smarter, your borders get smarter. As you get smarter, your borders improve and become a closer, more robust partner in your production process. So thematically, I want to introduce that. Right now, I want to go into the logic of borders because I promised you I would do this in a very linear way. I want to go through six main reasons and then another six reasons for borders. Borders make sense. So here's a list of 12. 
We'll examine six in detail. Reason number one for borders. Borders give meaning to the word empty. This is something I discovered in the 1980s and I was so delighted at the language. Borders give meaning to the word empty. Without borders, the real estate called the workplace, the floor, the desk, the bench, remains undesignated, not selected. As a result, when an item is elsewhere, the space it is supposed to occupy looks unclaimed, available, and up for grabs. But when we do something as simple as put a border, let's say we have a barrel. Barrel is sitting there. It's supposed to be there. It's always there. You know what? Somebody moved the barrel. I come in the next day, and there's something else in its place. And I get upset, and I decide to try out this border thing. So when I do find the barrel and put it back in its place and get rid of that other stuff that's in the way, I put a border around it. And that border claims the space. Now suddenly that space, when it's occupied, the barrel has a home. But even more importantly, when the barrel is moved, either because it's being emptied or changed out or washed or whatever, could be whip. When the barrel isn't there, that border still claims the spot and says, this spot is empty right now, but it will soon be occupied. And if the border has a great address, then you'll know occupied by what? That's what we mean by it gives meaning to the word empty. We can identify this space as empty as compared to identify it as up for grabs, undesignated, unselected. I hope this makes sense to you because this is fundamental to the functionality of borders. The second reason, with that in place, the border is in place. You can tell at a glance when an item is out of place. Simply, if the item is slightly askew, like some kind of rolling cart, we simply shift it back and it fits neatly within its border. We may learn if it's always slightly out of place, out of place, shifted, 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 that in fact it's in the way of something else. This is nearly an impossible discovery to make if you don't have a bordered location for that cart. You won't know that it's encumbering some other process, some other flow. So that's reason number two. Reason number three. Borders give us the opportunity to notice when something is missing. With borders in place, you can tell at a glance when something is missing. And again, combine the border with a home address and then you can tell exactly what is missing at a glance. Reason number four. That was new. Reason number three. Reason number four. Intruders. With borders in place, you can spot intruders at a glance. Items that don't belong in your work area are identified at a glance. They don't have a home. They are not in a bordered location. We have an intruder in our department. It is that cart. And as we go over and we look, we say, oh, you know what? That's maintenance. That's a maintenance cart. 
And yeah, it doesn't have a home here. It's just temporarily here. Okay, okay. But we spotted at a glance. Err, 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 there's an intruder. You understand? <laughs> Reason number five. Room versus no room. With borders in place, you can tell at a glance what part of the real estate is still available for use. In the case of a machining cell, this belonged to Jimmy at Denison Hydraulics back in the 1990s. He had captured the functionality of his floor so intently that when you entered his department, you knew exactly where you could walk and you knew what was either occupied at that moment because the thing was in it or what was going to be occupied and there was not a bit of extra space in that cell and you could see it because the floorboarders captured that. Occupied or unoccupied, you saw the real estate in this cell was optimally and entirely used. Fantastic. And you knew it at a glance. You had designated it. You could see Jimmy's intelligence on the floor and how he situated through his smart placement, how he situated the things of his work. Reason number six, borders allow you to see the flow. Start applying borders from the bottom up, from the floor up, and you will begin to see the flow, the pattern of work, become plain and obvious. The course or the pathway that materials people follow into and through your work area and into and through your company. That pathway, that flow line is extremely important. You want to be able to recognize it, to know it at a glance. And without borders, that pathway is simply hidden beneath the surface of things. Many of us have worked in departments like that where the flow of work is anybody's guess because it is not apparent, it is not captured in visuality, it is not visual, there are no borders, there is no nothing. In an area like that, we still manage to manage because we're clever little humans. But we pay a price for it in motion and performance, in morale, and so does the company. And, you know, over time, we may memorize the flow and the sequence of work it contains. But many of the other details, the telling details, are beyond our reach because we're occupied with just the surface of the flow. The absence of the reference points that borders provide wears on us, we get irritated, and when we do, we become unsafe, and the workplace is unsafe. And our true work, adding value, suffers. Okay? Now, we talked about this when we did function plus location equals flow. But without borders, you can't see the flow. With borders, it's there, and it becomes our partner. Okay, we're going into our last break of the show, and we'll be back in a minute, and I hope so will you. Thank you. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. 
Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. Hi, I'm Rebecca Costa, host of the Costa Report, every Tuesday at 6 a.m. and again at 6 p.m. This week, my guest is the former Secretary of the Treasury under President Bush, Mr. Paul O'Neill. Mr. O'Neill will be here to talk about why reinvesting Clinton's surplus in Social Security was a good idea, how the current global recession was predictable, and what is needed to secure America's financial future. Don't miss Paul O'Neill this Tuesday at 6 a.m. and again at 6 p.m. on the Voice America Business Channel. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's toll free, 1-866-472-5790 or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Hi, it's Gwendolyn. Welcome back. We're in our fourth segment, and we are concluding our piece on borders and the reason for borders. We have many, much, much more to share, and I hope you continue tuning in. What I hope is that in hearing my discussion of borders, you will either decide to revisit borders and get more play out of them, get more benefit out of them by conceptualizing them differently, by understanding that they are true performance partners. That's the minimum. And if you haven't yet started your journey, if you have yet to do your 5S, that when you do your 5S, you will make sure that the visual component of that methodology, of that tool, that sub-methodology, is very strong, and that is to implement the visual wear. So just before the break, we were talking about the flow and about the fact that you can see it or you can't and that borders are there to help you see the flow, the flow line. And you already know the formula about the flow of function in and through your area. This is the smart placement formula of function plus location equals flow. Work gets done one way or the other, flow or no flow. Borders or no borders. But work flows better, faster, and safer when smart placement is embedded and we do that through borders. It is that flow that you will now make plain, first through borders and later through addresses and ID labels. Last week, we talked about the mind and its ability, its nature to seek patterns. The mind is a pattern-seeking mechanism. Remember, we talked about that. 
Well, in fact, when we put down a powerful pattern called the visual wear, then we are able to layer in more and more advanced patterns and over time visually transform our work area so it really does speak. Borders support a fundamental need of the mind, and that is the need for seeing and recognizing pattern, and hand in hand a need for harmony, for balance, and for a sense of unity. This sense of unity, which I have rarely spoken uh, with you about, is one of the major overarching principles of visuality. That we are putting geometry in place, a, a functional performance geometry in place, when we put in a visual workplace. And that is perhaps most powerfully captured in that first indispensable step of laying down borders. This is the geometry, and the mind responds to geometry. The mind actually needs it. It's one of the forces that draws us to art, to a composed space, to a designed space. It's one of the forces that brings us into harmony just in terms of the way that we dress and the way that we furnish our homes so that there's a certain geometry that is expressed. But because the workplace is an environment of high intentionality, we can't leave that to chance. We have to rely on a methodology to make sure that that outcome is expressed and implemented and embedded. Otherwise, it looks like a desert. And if you have ever been in a desert, really surrounded by sand, and you are not with a very good guide or on a very good bus with a lot of gas in it, you will go through that moment of pattern saying, I don't know anything in this environment. I have no way to know it, I have no clue. Certainly groups and tribes, people who have lived in that environment for many, many, many centuries know their way around through a kind of uh, delving deep into uh, the details, just as people who live in the snow can orient in a way that is, seems magical to us. But they are seeing the deeper patterns. They've come to know it so well. We don't have generations to do that in the workplace. So the reason for borders, and let me quickly go through the other reasons. The reason for border, borders is perhaps most supremely captured in this borders reveal the pattern of work. Borders reveal the pattern of work. So we have number one, borders reveal the pattern of work. Number two, borders give meaning to the word empty. Borders allow us to see, and I'm going to line up the other Ten reasons. When an item is out of place, when an item is missing, borders allow us to see intruders. They allow us to see what space is available. That's reason number six. Number seven, what space is not available. Number eight, where we are supposed to walk, where we are not supposed to walk, where we are supposed to work, where we are not supposed to work. 
and the extent of function. Borders allow us to see the extent or the range of function. We will be talking about smart borders next week. I think what we'll do is do smart borders and then maybe we'll take a break and look at the technology of uh, what kinds of borders are available, what kinds of materials. I am not going to give you but a few reference names of companies to go to. I know a couple or three of them. You probably know a lot more. Send them to me by email, and I will announce them. If you're a provider, send us an email and let us see what you have. And if it looks, if it looks pretty good, we'll announce it on the air. It's fine with us. And then we'll go on how do you create a valid color code system. You know what? <laughs> you probably know this. I'm totally in love with borders. I think they're fabulous. Borders and I go way back. We hung out for years together. They've taught me so much. They've helped me help others, so many companies. I'm so grateful to, to knowing about them. They are some of my closest friends. <laughs> okay, my time is up. Matt is jumping up and down. I can hear him now thumping on his control panel. i got to say goodbye, so I'm going to say it. This is Gwendolyn Galsworth. You are at the Visual Workplace, and I am signing off. We appreciate your joining us this week for the Visual Workplace, work that makes sense. Please tune in for another episode next Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific, featuring your host, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, on the Voice America Business Channel. Thanks again for listening.